BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So welcome to the latest episode of 90 Min and Pledge Balls podcast series, Football's Climate Conversation in which we take a look at how climate change is affecting the beautiful game. In this episode, we'll be discussing Green Football Weekend and how you can get involved. I'm your host, Katie Cross, founder of Pledgeball, and I am excited to announce that I actually have a co-host. So this is my co-host, Alex Piper. It says in my script that I should do an introduction for him, dot, 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 so I can see him looking nervous. How shall I introduce Alex Piper? <laughs> um Alex, I'll let you introduce yourself. Oh, thanks, Katie. Uh, hi. Uh, yeah, Alex Piper. And how should we introduce me? Sustainability and football expert from a commercial perspective. <laughs> uh, okay, I think we should do a quick short round fire of questions so that we all get to know you. So really okay. quickly, no thinking. Who do you support? Norwich City. Who's your favourite player? Oof. Two, I'll have to give you two here with some Gallic flares, Zinedine Zidane and Eric Cantona. Okay. Who's, which position do you like most like to play in? Random one, left wing. Um, where do you sit in the Norwich, in Carrow Road? Oh, there's a difference between where I do sit and where I'd like to sit. So I do sit in the prawn sandwich area, the Jeffrey Watling stand, but I would like to sit in the Barclay, which is where the raucous noise comes from behind the goal. Okay. And finally, your climate guilty secret. Gosh, showers longer than five minutes. Sorry. <laughs> okay, that was a good introduction. So before we crack on with the episode today, we have got a special, uh, it's kind of induction for Alex, but actually I was going to invite viewers to suggest special induction tasks for Alex because this isn't really an induction because this is a green football weekend task we're going to have this week. So we're going to kick off with the famous veg wedge challenge. So already Sky and TNT pundits have taken this on. The aim of the challenge is to say as many clubs and vegetables, and for the other person to guess it, in 45 seconds as you can. Uh, obviously, Alex has a list, I have a list. The difficulty is that you have a wedge of orange in your mouth. So we have 45 seconds. Alex, you can start. I gather you're slightly cheating because you've got a tangerine, but <laughs> you can kick off. Can you put more than yeah. one segment of the tangerine in your mouth, please? Uh, okay, I'll, well, I'll try to fit the whole tangerine in, so so bear with me, because it's in uh, three parts at this point. So just give me a second to get going on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> right, ready? Mm. Steady. Go. Mm. Asparagus. <laughs> what? Asparagus. Mm hmm. Bristol City. Bristol City? Mm hmm. Oh, that's so good. Pass. <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal. Mm hmm. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Exeter. Exeter. Mm -hmm. Aubergine. Aubergine. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea what you just said. Say it again. Oh, well, that's time. How many did I get? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look down your list and count them. Mm -hmm. Just spit the orange out. <laughs> God, that was uh, that was difficult. Um, how many did you get? Let's see. You missed you missed most of the vegetables, so you didn't get asparagus. I did. You got asparagus. Bristol City. You didn't. Oh no, you did get artichoke. Did you get artichoke? I don't think you got artichoke. No, I did get asparagus. You got Arsenal. You got courgette. You got Exeter. So that's a, that's a solid. I didn't get if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> you got four. Okay, four. Okay. I also Three have a list. One vegetable. Okay. You'll have to time this because <clears throat> I can't see the list in time. Okay. I've got I've got my 45 second time ready. Okay. It's harder with a whole tangerine, that's what I saw Lime saying. <laughs> oh, mm, mm. Okay. Uh. <laughs> you ready? Mm -hmm. Thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay, let's go. Screw fix. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, we're nine seconds in, Katie. Speed it up. <laughs> okay, let's skip that one. Pemmith Argyle. Pemmith Argyle. Street Troop. Beach Troop. Street Troop. Oxford United. Oxford, yeah, Oxford United. Radish. Radish? Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Nottingham Forest. I mean, it's easier with the segment. Mm -hmm. Swede. Swede. Mm -hmm. Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur, that's time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I almost, died, I almost died doing mine compared to you. <laughs> You did quite well. You got spinach, argyle, beetroot, Oxford United, radish, Nottingham Forest, Swede, and Spurs. So you got eight. I didn't think I got the first one. Seven. 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 Oh, yeah, you didn't get spinach. Did you? Well done. You won. But yes, I do invite uh, induction challenges, official induction challenges for Alex for the next podcast. So, Green Football Weekend is back after a thoroughly successful 2023 campaign in which football fans from over 80 participating clubs around the UK competed in the Green Football Cup and scored green goals for their clubs. In total, over 84,000 green goals were scored by fans from up and down the country, with 20,000 scored during the actual weekend itself last February. How did you find Green Football Weekend uh, last year, Alex? 
Look, I think it was a fantastic campaign. Like with any initial first campaign that's going to run, there's going to be a few teething issues and just building awareness about it. But ultimately, it's a fantastic platform for sustainable behaviours, uh, engaging clubs primarily, but also the fans of those clubs too. And the metrics were really, really positive, like fantastic um, awareness. I think we had over 30 million eyeballs across the campaign, over 60,000 pledges or actions that took part as part of it as well. So I think it can only be seen as a success and hopefully this year it gets even bigger and even better. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'd agree with you. I think one of the things that is particularly difficult to measure is that Green Foot Weekend really started to bring conversations about something that we all care about, but weirdly don't talk much about into the mm. mainstream. Um, you know, we saw climate being discussed in various places that it's not normally discussed, whether positive or negative. We actually saw a lot of fans calling their clubs out for doing things that were inauthentic as well. So I know we saw a lot of fans calling clubs out for flying to fixtures, for example, that were unnecessary. Um, so yeah, I'd agree with you. I think starting to normalise the conversation. And the other thing is, I think, you know, as I said, people don't really talk about their concern around climate. You know, we all do have concerns about it. According to research, well over 80% of us. But one of the biggest issues is that we don't really have those conversations with those around us. And I think Greenfoot Weekend gave us a really good starting point. Um, do you, yeah, I mean, did you score green goals last year? Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed scoring green goals over the weekend, but, you know, some of those behaviours have, have stuck too. So as you know, I'm a massive cyclist and a runner and walker at all places as well, but there's a few things that I, would try, I was trying to do as part of Green Football Weekend too. So incorporate more vegetables in, into, into my diet, which is obviously the theme of this year's Green Football Weekend. It is indeed. So this year, Greenfoot Weekend is laser focused on one key stat specifically related to that. Uh, that stat is that if UK football fans had one veggie meal a day, we could save the equivalent carbon emissions of taking 5.5 million cars off the road each year. With that stat in mind, Greenfoot Weekend have created a veggie cookbook for football fans in which the likes of Raheem Sterling, Ainsley Harriet, Aoife Mannion and Tom Kerridge have shared their go to veggie recipes. Have you seen the, uh, have you had a look at the Green Veggie, Green Foot Weekend book, Alex? I have read it page. <laughs> page. <laughs> I think we should just clarify at this point that we do organise Green Foot Weekend along with a variety of other organisations. Uh, so we do know it rather well. Um, yeah. And how have you enjoyed exploring that Green Foot Weekend cookbook? No, I'm just on a serious point. Um, the virtual copy which is available on 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 the green football weekend website it's absolutely brilliant there's so many excellent veggie recipes in there so i'd highly recommend it even if you're just looking for a free cookbook uh and trying meat alternative meals it's a fantastic resource on top of that being a big lover of football as we both are it's even more amazing to see football clubs fans of football clubs and football players share their favorite recipes too yeah, it is. I totally agree. I really, really like the cookbook. It's great. Like, there's some genuinely good recipes in there. Would you like to highlight any recipes? So I've got a couple of favourites, uh, and there's a little bit of a story behind each one of them. So the first one is from Arsenal's Jen Beatty, who I was actually in a lift with her on Sunday. Um, 
Have that you makes just it sound because you wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> say that again, sorry. Have you just chosen this recipe so that you could tell us the story? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's also it's also it's also a cracking recipe as well because it's a Thai green tofu curry, and I love it. I love a Thai green curry. So, what a better way to have it with from a, from a vegetarian perspective as well? So, I'd like I'd like to say she knew who I was when I was in the lift, but absolutely not. But I certainly knew who she was. <laughs> and then my so second tell her how much you liked the recipe. Yeah, Jen Beatty. Jen Beatty, if you're listening, love your recipe. <laughs> You didn't take the opportunity in the lift. Uh, no, I didn't. That's I might not have read. Whole, I might not have read the whole cookbook cover to cover by that point. <laughs> okay, what's your second one then? My second one uh, is actually, ironically, a, a Liverpool FC re recipe uh, from Mona Nemo, once described by uh, Jurgen Klopp as one of his best ever signings. So, uh, if it works for Jurgen, quite frankly, it works for me. Too. I feel like we ought to do a little uh, like Halo theme tune song after saying Jürgen's name every time. <laughs> Me too, yeah. It's, it's, it's changing in meaning day by day, isn't it, as, uh, as the clock starts to tick down to the end of his tenure at the glorious the Liverpool Football starts Club. starts to tick down, is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> it's emotional. Uh, yeah, Mona's, Mona's recipe was uh, a pasta and LFC super sauce. So, quite frankly, if that's what she's feeding the players, then... Uh, Judging on how their season's going at the moment, I want some of that too. So, can I ask you actually why why is Mona Nemes so well known? Because I I do hear about her a lot. Well, I think the club really values her as a nutritionist. Um, and she's got a really good, close relationship with the players at Liverpool Football Club too. And Jurgen's gone out into the press as well and described her as one of his best signings as well, which is which has raised a lot of interest in into her job as a nutritionist for for Liverpool Football Club and really put a spotlight on some of the what you might term the backroom staff roles uh, in the first team playing squad. Great. And, you know, it's really nice as well to have um, nutritionists brought to the fore when it comes to looking at vegetarian recipes, shifting away from such kind of mm. carbon intensive diets. Um, OK, I'm going to share with you the recipes that I chose. Um, I really liked Fulham's uh, Bobby Cordova, Bobby de Cordova Reed's recipe, which was black bean and corn mince chili in taco shells. Oh, I, I thought you still had the veg wedge in there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that one really took my fancy. I also liked, um, actually, I think I liked this one more for the photo than <clears throat> maybe the recipe. I would like the sweet potato burger that uh, Tom Lowry of Portsmouth uh, put together, mostly because of his, I just liked the fact that he, there's a picture of him holding a cauliflower in the cookbook. Um, but there was also a really nice chickpea curry from Lucia Lee on the Watford Women as well. In oh, there. Nice. It is. It's a really good book, actually. I yeah, would quite I, like honestly, it. I highly recommend it. I mean, if we were if we were charging money for it, it would be very expensive. But we're not. It's free. So go download it. Yeah, please do go download it. Um, right. So moving on more to Green Football Weekend. So this launched on the 18th of January and our producer, Jack Gallagher, attended the Green Football Weekend launch event at Wembley on the freezing cold steps and chatted to Robbie Savage, Joe Cole and Forest Green Rovers owner Dale Vince about their involvement in the campaign. Here's what Savage had to say. 
to, to make um, that with Levi was, you know, it was fantastic. And to see Joel and Dale making a burger, a veggie burger, was, was brilliant. So it was, it's been a good day. Nice one, nice one. And how did you get involved with Spring Football Weekend? They started with some... Well, I did it last year. Um, obviously, about the climate change, and it's quite big for me owning a football club, Macclesfield. Um, the amount of games that are getting called off due to flooded pitches, you know, the temperatures. Um, like last week, it was five degrees. and the amount of games that will be called off this week at minus six and seven um, 125,000 pitches get flooded every year um, and again I've seen the effects that have on grassroots football clubs um, and it's it's quite remarkable really to think that you know the, the difference you know games being called off can do for the community it's quite remarkable uh, I mean what are your first thoughts on that clip Danis? Well, I think, first of all, uh, it's great to have someone of Robbie Savage's profile talking about climate and climate change. As, as we touched upon earlier, as part of like one of the overarching objectives of Green Football Weekend is to start to like normalise that conversation. And with that comes um, advocates and well-known figures in, in the media and the press talking about it. That's the, that's the first point. Um, and then the second point, which I think is really interesting, which, which he raises, is around grassroots football um, and how there are some areas that are disproportionately affected by climate change and it's not and it's not just grassroots football right it's professional football too it's the it's it's the lower leagues it's the non-league it's the top level of our of our women's game as well is disproportionately disproportionately affected uh, by climate change we don't see many if any men's uh, premier league fixtures being postponed due to due to problems with pitchers, but we do see that um, regularly in the WSL. Last season, we had multiple women's games at Liverpool's Prenton Park um, postponed. There was a farcical um, instance where about ten minutes of Chelsea versus Liverpool was played on, quite frankly, some ice sheets, and players were slipping over, and then that game was postponed after ten minutes, and you had fans that had travelled. The breadth of the country for, to see 10 minutes of football and then had to go home again so i think it's really important and valuable that you know that these sorts of topics are, are being discussed what, what about you what are your thoughts yeah <clears throat> i totally agree and i think so there's a couple of points there i mean the first one you touched upon about it being great that advocates are coming out and speaking out about it i totally agree but i must admit i would have i did expect more I think it's been remarkably difficult, both at Pledgeable and for Green Football Weekend, for us mm. to find people willing to speak out about it. And I mean, you know, there's a variety of reasons about this. And I think some of it, everybody can relate to. Everybody feels kind of difficult when it comes to addressing climate change. I mean, <clears throat> I belong to a an, an amazing grassroots women's football club in Bristol. And when I first broached climate change uh you know I talked about what we could do as a collective and it, I did I it took a lot of talking myself into broaching this with the squad I was quite new to the squad I wasn't sure how they'd respond and they're amazing but I did carry I still carry some pretty amazing nicknames with it um and the band is great I mean they they constantly share what they're doing every time somebody takes a I don't know a reusable water bottle or you know, we've got people even choosing solar panels and insulation now, which is amazing. They post on the chat now. But that first that first kind of move to broach it 
was difficult. And I have like parent WhatsApp chats I belong to, and I'm sure I've gained a name for myself through some of the comments I've made. <laughs> but I think what's <laughs> you can't you can't just say you you got given nicknames without actually sharing what those nicknames are. So the floor is yours. <laughs> I can't share them because <laughs> the stat I used was around reusable menstrual products. So there's no way. <laughs> I okay, yeah, Let's swerve that one then in that case. I, <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know if I go into some more though. Okay. Um, so I think it is difficult for advocates to speak out about it. I think the other thing is that as footballers, you know, they essentially are tied into quite a carbon intensive lifestyle if you play at a high level of football. And so I think they're extremely afraid of speaking out and being criticised as hypocrites. Probably, to be honest, I think a lack of awareness. You know, footballers come into the game, particularly the men's game, very, very early. They're essentially costed from the age of seven and live in a completely separate mm -hmm. bubble. Maybe that's unfair and I, I'm just not aware of it, but certainly this is the impression I get from agents from from managers um and so it must be very difficult i think to connect to what's going on around you but also to have the confidence to speak out about it if you do feel feel passionate about it and i think the last point to bring up there is that what's strange is there is such a stigmatism around it you know when you think about it i would like to play football in clean air i'd like to have pitches that are I'm able to play on that aren't waterlogged or aren't frozen when they shouldn't be um and so that doesn't seem an unreasonable thing to ask it's very odd that climate has come with this stigmatism if you talk about it you know you're associated in a certain way and i think actually when we come on to somebody else that jack interviewed later which is dale vince that conversation will probably come up again um hmm. but anyway going on to the other point about it yes you're absolutely right i mean the game is impacted so badly by climate and we just don't realize so you know, extreme weather events are becoming more common, but it doesn't even need to be that extreme for a lot of pitches to be waterlogged. And then you look at the financial implications of that. You know, there are amazing, <coughs> excuse me, non-league clubs that are incredible, like parts of their community run by volunteers. You know, they don't have, so Shoreham, for example, uh, a great club down in West Sussex, um, you know, centre of the community, and they were really badly affected by storms a few years ago. And it put everything they were doing to a halt because they had to raise money then to repair the roof of the clubhouse. And, you know, these clubs, they struggle as it is. They really struggle during COVID, as we know. And so to have something like that impact them really puts their, their you know, their longevity at risk, really. So, yeah, I no, think... I completely agree, Casey. Like, the other thing I would add just around the, the the footballers specifically. Again, it, it goes back to that point around normalising the conversation and to, to ensure that they're comfortable about speaking about some of these issues, because you're right, like ultimately they are, for want of a better word, like molly coddled from quite quite a young age. Um, and they do have all the, all, all, the, all the clubs have travel managers who are ultimately looking after how the players travel from one game to another. So there's multiple different actors, I think, when it comes to, you know, how teams travel to games. But what I like to think and, and cast our minds back to is it, it's within our lifetimes that every single professional club was travelling to all of their away games by coach or by train. That's, you know, aviation within elite sports is a relatively new thing, domestically at least. I mean, clearly we have always had flights between the, the European games, 
but domestically it's it's a relatively new thing these teams flying 10 15 20 minutes 20 minute trips um so it's not like we're trying to re-engineer the wheel we're kind of trying to push for a sustainable solution which was what we were ironically originally doing from from the start yeah yeah and that's a great way of framing it as well as reminding people of that but it's it's you know we get used to a new norm very quickly so i mean just to cover a few of the stats that uh robbie savage i think mentioned one of them a quarter of professional clubs in england could be flooded on a regular basis by 2050 so this was pulled out of um i think david goldblatt's rapid uh, his playing gets the clock report in the premier league this includes chelsea's stamford bridge and west ham's london stadium in the championship hull southampton and cardiff are all at risk but you don't have to look ahead to 2050 the average grassroots pitch in england already loses five weeks a season to bad weather okay so you know those are the stats that just back up really what we were saying and then as i said it's moving on to looking at those associations that you have when you talk about climate so moving on to owner of league two club forest green Dale Vince has been one of the most forward-thinking people in the game regarding climate change, with his approach leading to Forest Green being named the greenest club in the world by FIFA. So back again to Wembley, here's what Dale had to say about his club, oh, sorry, about how his club are combating climate change and getting involved in Green Football Weekend. It was a rescue mission of my local football club, and uh, the first thing I bumped into that I couldn't live with was the fact that we were serving meat, because uh, I've been a vegan like you know, nearly all of my adult life. Um, and I made that change first, stop red meats, then stop white meat. We took a three year journey to take the club vegan and, and made a whole host of other environment changes at the same time, basically creating a new kind of football club, a green football club. And the veganism was just a part of that, but it's become the most kind of uh, talked about part of that. Yeah, and what was it like for the players and the fans transitioning to veganism and the club? I'd say it's pretty straightforward, you know, there were some fans uh, that were a bit shocked, there were some fans that were a bit angry, there were some fans that were a bit like, meh, you know, didn't mind. And we said to them all, look, um, we aren't telling you what to eat, because that's what we were accused of. We're just uh, setting the menu according to our values and, you know, come along and try the food. And, and if you don't want to or you don't like it, just bring your own food. We don't mind, but we aren't telling you what to eat uh, kind of stuff. You know, it was kind of like, um, it was a positive way to communicate, I thought. Our fans came, they tried it. Our food sales now are like 10 times higher than they used to be. Our, our crowd size is four times bigger than it used to be. And I have to say that um, being a vegan uh, football club has been a good thing, not just not a bad thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and a lot of athletes we've seen have become vegan. Uh, a lot of footballers, Katie Roode, for example, David Wheeler's another one uh, who have become vegan and talked about how it's improved, uh, there are a lot of them improved elements in some yeah. way. Have you noticed that from players or players at the club discussed that too, do you? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially older players, they notice it more. Faster recovery times, less soft tissue injuries and more energy. And, and every year, two or three of our players, uh, new players that come to us, experience the diet for themselves uh, at the club and uh, they take it home with them. They go vegan in their, or plant-based in their, in their private lives as well, because they feel the difference. Our fans do the same, nearly every game I go to. A fan will say to me, you've changed my life. Uh, I've gone veggie or vegan. I've taken my family with me because of the food that they tried at our club and because of the messages that they heard. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, there's a few really interesting questions I have off the back of that, I think. Um, I mean, one is, no, actually, I think the two are linked. So. We talked earlier about how difficult it is to bring up conversations around climate, how you kind of, you're almost seen as a particular type of person as soon as you bring up those conversations. 
I mean, is Forest Green seen as that for football clubs, do you think? I think the, the, the case of Forest Green is really, really, really compelling, really, really interesting. So first of all, I think it's brave. It's a brave decision that Dale Vince took in terms of re-engineering the strategy for, quite frankly, a club that no one had really heard of until he turned it into a vegan club. And now it's known around around the world. Everyone knows this this club so it's a fantastic decision from from that perspective um and i think it's his, his transparency and authenticity around the challenges that he's faced as well is also really really important to be frank about because i think that's one of the challenges around sustainability and climate change a big element of it is the communications and how how do you do that successfully and get the, the the changes in social norms that you need to to make a dent in climate change. Um, but what do you what do you think about his how his approach has been, Casey? I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, there's that quote, isn't there? Um, the radicals of today will be the heroes of tomorrow. And I think you know he's driven a lot in football. Um, yeah, and he's as you said, it's driven more system change as well. And I think this is what's really important that we, you know, at Pledgeable very firmly believe is the fact that as individuals you can really act, and people don't realise the degree to which you can bring about basically a shift in systems. And I think Forest Green has done that. You know, they introduced the Green Club scheme, which now the EFL uses for all of the all of the EFL clubs that would like to sign up. So obviously, obviously Forest Green topped that um, Sport Positive League table last season. Bristol City, I'd like to mention, came second. Um, but, you know, the Green Club scheme supports the clubs in doing that. And that's just starting with that system change. But also, you know, they had Dortmund wanting to come over to this, you know, Forest Green's down the road for me to this little rural <laughs> village to go and visit Forest Green. And, you know, we saw obviously Marcus Reynolds. Eight hours by train, might I add, Dortmund did, which is equally as impressive. Well done, Dortmund. Yeah, I totally agree. And they want, and they took eight people over as well to go and visit Forest Green to learn more. And I think, you know, that really illustrates the impact that you can have by acting and doing rather than talking about it um, or solely talking about it. So, yeah. Completely agree. The other thing I would add as well, just with my commercial hat on, is that it, it, they've Savora Screen have managed to turn this this change in strategy also into a commercially viable business model as well. So Dale mentioned in in that clip that they're making ten times more in uh, on concessions and food and drink than they were before the switch to vegan only products. Um, and also the thing I really love about what he's done, he's not said look it's vegan or don't come to the stadium. He said, look, we're only serving vegan products, but if you want to bring your own stuff, then that's absolutely fine. And for me, from a communications perspective, that's absolutely spot on because he's not forcing anyone to do anything. He's just saying, look, this is a decision we're making as a club. This is what we'll be serving. If you don't want it, then that's absolutely fine, but you're not going to be able to buy it here. So buy it elsewhere. And, <laughs> and ultimately, you know, I think with any consumer product, it's all about the, the quality of the product and when it's food, the taste of the product. And they clearly make really good, tasty, nutritious stuff because that's that, the numbers don't lie from that perspective. So there's the concessions and hospitality within the stadium, too. But also from a commercial partnerships perspective, there's some fantastic brands as well that Forest Green have managed to partner with that, you know, 
are outliers for for League Two. Some real kind of like blue chip brands there, like Milk Alternatives, like Oatly are there for for a partner for Forest Green. A few of Dale's companies like Ecotricity and Devil's Kitchen as partners as well. So I really like what they've managed to do from a commercial partnerships perspective as well. Everything aligns to the, the Forest Green message. And I think that's really important because if your commercial partners or how you implement your strategy within your stadium isn't aligning with your overall strategy, then it challenges your authenticity. And that's the one thing you can't fault Forest Green on is that they're very transparent and they're very authentic with what they're doing. Yeah, I totally agree. And the one thing I pick you up on there is you said, you know, it's a communication thing in terms of saying that fans can bring their own thing. It's not just a communication thing. Everybody needs to have their own agency. They decide what matters to them and they choose how to act. But I like that they've offered a way of taking action and the action has clearly rippled out. No, I, yeah, completely hats off to what they've done. The other cool fact I learned about that yesterday before we move on to the next clip is, uh, and when I say yesterday, we had the privilege of meeting Marcus Reynolds, their new CEO, or not that new CEO. Um, and he he shared with us something that I didn't know despite visiting um, Forest Green a number of times, in that the the we, I thought I should use we rather than swearing, the urine of the away fans is used to water the pitch. So the way he put it was that they literally take the pee out of the away fans, <laughs> treat it, and then water the pitch with it. They've obviously as you said, looked at a whole approach and they do take various steps to tackle climate change. What types of things do you think clubs need to do? Um, and, you know, obviously we'd like them to prioritise sustainability and I know you come at it from a different angle to me, but can you break it down into a few examples of things that clubs should and could be doing? And let's do a, let's do a, a shameless self-promotion here as well. Well... I'll let you do the, the shameless self-promotion. But I think as a start point, clubs need to understand what their, their carbon footprint is. Um, ultimately, with anything, it's for me, it's all about the data. And if you can't baseline and measure it, then you can't take action against it and improve against it or create a roadmap to reduce your carbon footprint. So my, my first start point would be, what's your carbon footprint? I'm going to come under a bit. Because I, I agree with you to some degree, but I do think the clubs can get very hung up on it. So it's there are loads of variables in measuring your carbon footprint. What you need to understand, I agree, is a mm. rough baseline. But what we see is a lot of, you know, there's not much resource in general being given to addressing sustainability. And if clubs put all of that resource into assessing their own carbon footprint, they're not taking action, are they? They're just baselining. You know, that might change next year. It might be warmer next year and you won't have the heating on as much. So I True. think what's important is you understand the different proportions and you do that alongside taking action. I agree you need measurements to make sure you're hitting those targets, but I'd be careful that you, people don't get hung up on measuring carbon footprint. Are you ready for the shameless self-promotion? Yep. Well, I'll so, let you go. Do you want to kick me off? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing is to work with us, isn't it? Because well, Exactly, uh, yeah. There's this, there's this amazing platform called uh, Pledgeball, which engages fans. <laughs> it uh i think the best thing about it is that we actually do it as fans with fans exactly. um yeah, by so the fans for the fans <laughs> um so i definitely recommend working with us um because we don't it, it extends beyond fans i think that's the other thing to point out so you know as a reminder for those people who haven't listened into the podcast before uh or have forgotten us um we are a charity 
at Pledge Ball. And what we do is basically invite fellow fans to join us in really taking a stand to, and this is our hashtag, protect where we play. Um, because there are things that we value. And as I said before, as a group of football fans, we have huge amount to make sure that we protect. So I would hi highly recommend that you go to pledgeball.org and check us out. Um, the other thing that we also have been doing, and this is a big thing that clubs can do, is to make sure that they prioritise sustainability when deciding on travel. So we launched a something called the Sustainable Travel Charter last October. And Alex, I believe you have a list of clubs that we've now got who've joined that charter. But just before that, the, char the aim of the charter is to reduce the number of domestic flights being taken within English football. Um, because as Alex said, it's not it's quite a new thing, really, for clubs to fly to games, relatively new. Um, and actually, we'll come on to, in a minute, why this is such a key point and going back to the carbon footprint. So do you want to just list the incredible number of clubs who've joined us so far? So yeah, I would, I would just caveat, well done to all of these clubs. I think it's a real progressive step that they're all taking. So that's why we want to, we want to call them out because they deserve the, they deserve the recognition. So in no particular order, Exeter City, Charlton, Forest Green Rovers, Millwall, Queens Park Rangers, Bristol City, Bristol Rovers, Mansfield Town and Swindon Town. They are the progressive nine, term the phrase. <laughs> the progressive nine amazing so yeah i'll let you think up the next one for the 10th because that that announcement is coming soon um, <laughs> yeah and i think going back to your carbon footprint conversation you know we have heard clubs argue that actually this is a very small proportion of their carbon footprint but this is more about the normalization of such behavior you know i think if you choose to fly particularly if you choose to take a um you know a chartered flight which carries more carbon emissions. Often they have positioning flights that that have that mean they have to fly there in the first place, but also they tend to have bigger space and therefore each person has a bigger footprint when they're sat on it. You know, it's saying it's okay, we can carry on as normal. We definitely don't need to make a change. And it, you know, this is really giving a means for clubs to take action now, even in the current kind of football infrastructure in which we exist. Right, so moving on then. Let's get back to Green Football Weekend. Our lovely producer, Jack Gallagher, also met with Joe Cole, who's engaging in the climate conversation this year through Green Football Weekend. And here's what he had to say. You know, football's a, uh, a platform for a lot of campaigns. Um, and this one in particular, I just find it logical. You know, I find it, uh, you know, they asked me to, to, to come and, and talk and get behind it. I think people get, I just think we've got one planet. We've all got to look after, we've all got to play our part. You know, and it's a hot to topic because it can get militant, can't it? I mean, you've all seen the news and seen what's happened, but I think football needs to explain that just the little things you do to, to make a difference. You, you don't have to go and live in a forest, become a vegan, you know. You just have to you know, cut down on the meat, you know, walk to work maybe a couple of times a week, you know. You know, switch the switch the, the heating off at certain times. They're all little things, but, but the food one seems logical. Fans go to football. And Dale's obviously the Forest Green are, are, are leaders in the pack. And I think, you know, just that little bit of just informing people that the little differences that you do can make a massive, massive, massive impact and make it easy for all of us. You were involved last year as well. Yeah. Um, 
you're up at Tottenham's ground, seeing mm, how the the new pre-match meals yeah. and stuff like that there and you've seen a lot of uh, footballers and athletes yeah. and stuff have become vegan over the yeah. last while and yeah. is that a, is that something that was ever brought up in, in dress rooms back yeah, in yeah, your I mean, playing and stuff? Or? A couple of players I mean I tried it myself you know it wasn't for me you know I'm not gonna lie um, it's not for everyone do you know but, but, but by, by giving it a go and trying it you know you, the, the logical thing what, the message is more from a health perspective not eating the processed rubbish all the time Eating the vegetables, eating the minerals, you know, making making yourself more, making your you know your immune system stronger, all them type of things. I got from that, you know what I mean? How, you know, but um, it's not for everyone. Some people it works fantastically well, you know. Some people it don't. But I think the more message is that you doesn't you don't have to be a vegan. You just cut down a little bit, a little on the meat once one meal a day. You know, it makes a huge difference in terms of from a global perspective, like the like the agriculture and what the emissions that that puts on to the there's lots of other ways and there'd be better people to articulate better than me but just from just from the absolute just the logic side of it more vegetables more salads good for you and better for the planet i love that clip so much i so many levels it's great um well why don't you kick off with why you love it so much I mean, first of all, Joe Cahill, he's just a geezer, isn't he? And that's what we need to appeal to the average person on the street. In his words, it just makes sense. Like, it makes sense that we don't want to play football on flooded pitches. It makes sense that we want to breathe clean air. It makes sense that we don't want to have, like, massive water breaks in games because it's so blooming hot because of climate change. It, like it just makes perfect sense and I think one of the, the key things that I really love about what he said is that no one's asking you to completely flip your lifestyle and do a complete 180 what we are what is being asked is to make small changes to maybe consider walking or cycling if you can instead of jumping in the car or on a motorbike uh, to instead of eating meat five six seven days a week maybe cut it out your diet a little bit more and eat only two or three times a week and it's those small changes that when you add them up across hundreds of thousands millions of people turn into a massive change and like we can all do this to do this together and make a sizable impact together and I think it's just refreshing to hear someone call it out so simply and also to that point that we were talking about earlier how there aren't really enough advocates and and ex-players or current players who are brave enough to to stand up and say uh, and give their thoughts about climate change and some of the simple changes that can be made like he's he's definitely bucked that trend and i think it's just refreshing to have that perspective what about you what did you like about what you had to yeah, say i totally agree i mean it just calls it out for what it is you can worry about how you're talking about it and he just he's like yeah you're right it makes complete sense i think the other thing is is that he's so very simple at the beginning called out that negative association we have with trying to do anything associated with green like he said didn't he you don't have to live in a forest and become vegan and you know that's exactly it isn't it um no it's Although, to be fair living in a forest and becoming a vegan is probably not that bad <laughs> no you're right you are right <laughs> absolutely but it's well you know what I'm saying it's those connotations that are immediately carried and you're right people don't even think about it like I didn't even think yeah. about that those are just the associations you have Mm. um have you are you a vegan i'm not a vegan i'm not no so i'm 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 in that camp of eats meat but not five six seven days a week maybe three four times a month special treat 
that's about it, really. Pescatarian more than anything. And have you tried being a vegan ever? Have you tried again? Uh, I've tried being vegetarian, not vegan. Okay. Because, you know, there's a number of footballers now. We had um, David Wheeler on the podcast a little while ago. He also said he tried to become vegan. We had Casey Reid on the same podcast as him. And he was saying he really tried. The big thing he's trying to get over is cheese. And Katie Reid was... Cheese is a tough one. That's that's probably my my penchant for cheese is difficult to get away from. And, and milkshake, they're, they're the two that I really yeah. struggle to give up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, the interesting thing Katie said was that when she really thought about where it came from, and in fact, somebody else said the same thing to me today about milk, that they questioned why they'd ever bothered having dairy in the first place. Um, mm. In fact, the... <laughs> Maybe I'll wait to say what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a really interesting one. And also we're seeing a lot of health benefits. I mean, I think, you know, I think somebody mentioned this for, in one of the audio clips about the health benefits that are coming out from, from being a vegan or at least eating more vegetables. But that's certainly something we should explore in later episodes, again, with footballers like Chris Smalling, for example, who have, mm. have decided to turn entirely to plant-based diets. Yeah, Hector Bellerin as well, and supposedly Neymar as well during one of his serious injuries oh. turned to a plant-based diet to, to speed speed recovery. Information, isn't it? I've heard this. Yeah. yeah. Um, any so we're going to move on in a minute to our final roundup of the show. But is there? It has been a pleasure having you on this podcast today. You know, I'd be discussing audio clips by myself if not, even if you did get a bit technical at times. Um, are there any parting words you'd like to like to share? Well, yeah, I'd thoroughly encourage everyone to to support their club in Green Football Weekend and uh, score some score some green goals and try and get your club to to win the win the Green Football Weekend Cup. I hope you've been pushing Norwich up that league table. Always, I'm always <laughs> pushing Norwich up league tables, trying to increase the fan base one by one to anyone who will listen. <laughs> um right so to finish today's show we're going to be joined as always by the lovely heather ashworth from pledgeball who's going to give us the story of the green football weekend leaderboard absolutely um so it's been pretty exciting so far um our previous champions manchester united are topping the table once again they've scored over 2250 green goals now um, they're going to take some beating, uh, but it's not impossible. In second, we have Northampton Town. Uh, they're on 1,637 goals. So I think that's catching distance if the town fans work together. Um, we then have Leicester City in third on nearly 1,200 goals. We also have Brentford, Forest Green Rovers, Chelsea, Norwich City, Fleetwood Come Town, Exeter City and Watford finishing up our top 10. Um, we've actually seen a lot of movement in that top 10. The teams keep leapfrogging each other, um, but we have also seen teams drop out of that, such as Bournemouth and Portsmouth. So um, the teams need to work together. Uh, sorry. So fans need to work together if they want to see their teams uh, leap up that league. So I also want to say it's fantastic to see a range of fans and teams uh, across the league systems getting involved. Uh, this year, we've had 86 teams involved. Uh, so definitely worth checking um, if your team is among them or making sure you chat to your friends and family and make sure they reach, uh, they get on that league. 
Um, I want to give a special shout out to FC United in the Northern Premier League, who are currently sat in 17th place, uh, above the likes of Liverpool and Villa and Man City. Um, it's also fantastic. We've got some of the women's teams in there, such as Durham women as well. And uh, as a current resident of Scotland, I'm delighted to see some of the Scottish teams in there, such as Hearts and Hibs as well. Um, as Alex said, you can get involved this year by heading to the Green Football Weekend website and pledge to take action and score some green goals to see your team top that league table. Uh, this year, we've got a variety of great prizes up for grabs. We've got a tour of the Sky Studios. We've got EFL Championship Playoff Final Ticket, Football Manager Codes, a Green Football Weekend Cookbook, which we've uh, been raving about today, and Sakito Football Beats. So I think we'll see plenty more action before Green Football Weekend wraps up on the 7th of Feb. So there's plenty of time to get involved and get pledging, scoring green goals if you want to see your team at the top. So you too as well. Make sure you get scoring green goals. <laughs> I know. I, I think the Robinsons climb up a bit higher. Heather, did you choose a favourite recipe from that cookbook? I did, actually, though Alex did steal one of them. Um I also fancy that yeah. Thai green yeah. curry by Glen Beauty. Sounds so good. But I also fancy the spaghetti with the plant bacon, cherry tomatoes and rocket that was recommended by Port, Port, Port Vale Ponzo Ojo. I think that sounds pretty good too. Very nice. Well, thank you very much. And please do join us again next week. No, not next week. <laughs> please do join us again in the next podcast um, when we'll be reviewing Green Football Weekend. And we may well have some special guests as well to join us on the show. 